Well, if you've got your Uversion app open or if you're in your notes, um, then uh, we're, gonna, we're in the middle of this uh, re-gifting series. Re-gifting is the whole concept that we've been, you've been given a gift, and normally it's kind of a tacky little thing that it's a gift that maybe you didn't find, find useful. We'll say it that way. Um, and then you decide to pass it on to maybe somebody that would have a little more use for it. Um, some people think it's just a cheap person's way of doing Christmas gifts. But, so it's normally kind of a tacky thing of this whole regifting. But the concept is you, re- you get a gift and then you give it away. And that is what we're looking at. This, we're celebrating the greatest time in human existence when God gave the gift of his son. And you and I are recipients of that. And since we've received it, we need to make sure it doesn't stop here. The truth of God's love has made it thousands of miles and thousands of years to impact your life right where you are today. And all we have to do is continue to be in that chain and say, God, use me in whatever way. And it doesn't have to be wild and crazy way. It can be if God so uses you that way. But it can just be so practical. It's just being honest about your relationship with God with somebody else. But the greatest gift ever given was presented on Christmas. And this is, again, it's the gift that's right to re-gift. And this gift, really, when we try, when we try to understand it, I mean, it just, it's hard to really wrap our minds around what God did for us. I got a little video I want to roll for y'all about called The Living Nativity that I think gets right to that point. I play Joseph in The Live Nativity, the stepfather to the Messiah. Some rather big shoes to fill, or sandals as it may be. As a method actor, um, I have to experience what the character experienced, you know, in order to play the role. It takes a lot of effort, so I do what I can to get my body in shape. Sometimes on my lunch break, I'll just go into Joseph position. So I'm thinking of renting a donkey. No. No, no, look, uh, we would just ride it, okay? No. No, no, look, just around town, okay? I just want to get a feel for what Joseph must have gone through. I'm not going to ride a donkey through town. (sighs) Babe, look, Brando shadowed gangsters, okay? Winona stole a purse. Larry actually was a cable guy. I, I need this, okay? I need to know what it was like to serve the mother of God. You want to know what it was like to serve? Then serve me by setting the table. Throughout the years, I have adopted the lifestyle of many notable characters. I even uh, played Judas in our church's gospel musical rendition of Happy Feet. I actually wrote that one. Um, It's called Happy Feet Washing. Lord, why? Why would you put me through this? Do you understand, God? This is difficult. The people around town, they are talking. They're asking why I would marry a woman who's bearing another man's child. What did I do, do, Lord? Mm, God love him. But he sounds like the guy from The Fiddler on the Roof. Why, God? She said that? 
I, I sound nothing like Tevia. I played Tevia in high school. I think I'd know the difference. She, she sounds like Fran Drescher. Not the voice, but the... And he's starting to scare the children. Dad, I don't want to do this again. Uh... Well, come on, buddy. Just from the top. The part about the end. No room. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sir, but there's no room in the end for you. What? You're telling me that my pregnant wife and me, you're going to leave us out in the streets? We may die out there. Is that what you want to happen? Is that... Buddy? He's fine. He's fine. Um, this is Travis, my son. He will be playing the role of Jesus. Even larger sandals to fill. F figuratively. He has very, very small feet. It is a live nativity. Um, so we are on our feet for five hours each night, uh, the seven days leading up to Christmas. It's, um,. Not so much of a physical challenge for me. I played sports in high school. Um, it's more of a, a spiritual challenge. Really? Why? It just is. Hmm. <laughs> Where's my baby Jesus? Because daddy's ready for the show. What's wrong? I couldn't do it. What? What are you talking about? I couldn't give up my son. Honey, they're counting on you. No, um... If I were God... I couldn't give up my boy. The world would be out of luck. Thankfully, God is God, and He's not. He, he loves us so much more than we can wrap our minds around. And what I want to, to cover today, I just want us to understand this concept that God has chosen to favor us, that God, He's not mad at us. He did not send Jesus in here as some like covert spy Navy SEAL to take us out. It was God's ultimate olive branch that I love you and I am coming after you. This is the greatest act of love in history ever. And I want it to be sealed forever because if you don't understand, if you don't have in your paradigm that God loves you and he's not mad at you, you have to understand that that I'm sorry that there are people that that you turn on the TV and then they're, they're preaching that and all of that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm sorry, but the New Testament is about the fact that God has chosen to favor us, that he has poured his love and he has come after us. 
He is not mad at us. He vented his wrath. Yes, there was some wrath, and it was vented fully on Jesus on Calvary so that you and I don't have that mess to deal with, and we can have direct access to God. That is what this holiday season is all about. There is good news, and that good news is God's not mad at us. And we have to embrace that, or we're going to continue to be in a combative stance against God. We will take, if we think he's going to come out swinging, we're going to be ready. But when we understand that, you know what, that that, that issue's been dealt with, that he, he vented it on Christ, and that you and I can now, mistakes, habits, warts and all, can come to God, and he can do like we sang about in worship, that he's going to change us from the inside out. He's going to meet us where we are, and he loves us so much, he's not going to leave us there. And in process, when we make mistakes, he's still going to love us, and he's going to grow us little by little as we say yes, and he's going to change us. Now, this, <clears throat> this week, December 7th, was the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And, of course, just this incredible, horrible attack on on uh, on the u.s that that catapults us into world war ii and um and uh, <clears throat> and the the war in the pacific just really takes on well the uh i'd come across an interesting story about this japanese soldier who had been trained and he had been trained as that covert spy the behind enemy lines he was trained as the thing jesus isn't Jesus has come to embrace us. He, he was trained by his Japanese commanders that they was going to go in and there's just going to be a couple of them and they were put deep into enemy territory and they're to gain intelligence, they're to get information, and they were just to annoy the people. They were to disrupt their daily activities, mess with their stuff so that they're constantly looking over their shoulders so they can't put themselves fully into to what they're doing. And that was this guy's job. That was his job as a soldier. So he gets dumped on this Philippine island with about 16 other guys. And it's all their assignment to do that. Well, and they're told, you know, it may be three, four years before we come after you. And your job is to just do what you're trained to do for however long you have to do it. And then at some point, we're going to come after you. Well, about 18 months into this guy being dumped off in the group. The war was over. The bombs were dropped on Japan, and Japan surrenders, and the war is over, and this guy has no radio contact. He has nothing back with, at home. The whole group does. So they're still fighting. War's over. They're still going at it with these, with these uh, people that live on this Philippine island. So these people on the Philippine island, they're like, man, the war's over. This guy needs to leave us alone. And so they finally, they begin to drop leaflets. And they drop leaflets all over this jungle that these guys are hiding in. And that the war's over. Well, they think, okay, this is a ploy to pull us out of hiding. We're doing a good job at what we're doing. They're trying to deal with us. Because in their mind, there was no way that the war could be over. There was no way it could be over that fast. They'd, they'd never seen a, a, an atomic bomb. They'd never heard of it. There was nothing in their mind that's, that something that significant could cause Japan to surrender that quickly. They just The timeline was just off to them. So they, they had it in their mind. Okay, this was, just, this was just this covert attack. There was just this thing for them to try to, to, to pull them out. Well, they go on and the, this group goes, they go into deeper into hiding and they do all this stuff. They finally go on for about five years. They go on for five years. 
And finally, one of the group begins to think, maybe, maybe there's something serious about this. And they ended up into disbanding into other groups. And there was, finally, it was down to this one man and uh, four other guys. Well, he decides that he's, he's just going to go surrender and he's just going to be done. So he sneaks off. And uh, because if he would have been caught doing that, well, his own soldiers would have killed him. So he sneaks off at night. Well, then now that this, the remaining three think that this guy's been, been kidnapped. They think that he's, that he's a POW. So it, it's played up even more in their mind that there's something legit coming on. Finally, this goes on another five years. These guys are fighting a battle that's over for ten years at this point. And they're causing all sorts of problems for the people on this Philippine island. So they get people from Japan to come over and walk through the jungles yelling, it's over, it's over, come out of hiding, it's over. Well, of course, then they think that they are POWs that are being forced to do that. So it just, they, it just reaffirms in their mind. So finally things go on. There's, they keep shooting. Well, of, of course, the farmers are, you know, they'll come and they'll do their little sneak attacks. Well, the farmers are going to shoot back. Tell you what, you do a sneak attack on some West Texas rancher, he's going to pull his gun out and he's going to shoot you back. And so that's what the Filipinos did. They shot back. So since people are returning fire, okay, this war is still on. They end up losing two guys due to the Filipino farmers shooting them. And he's down to this guy and one other. And then the, the one guy finally gets caught. And this one guy's all by himself. He goes for 29 years. 29 years on this island fighting a battle that was over, that had already been taken care of. But in his mind, there was still this animosity that was there. There was still this thing. So everything, he viewed it from a ploy. He viewed it from thing. They finally had to get this man's retired <clears throat> commander to come to this island and come up in there and tell him to lay down his arms and that this was over and give him a direct order. And then the guy came out and he, and he ended up writing a book about the whole thing. And he was just, he, he felt such the fool for fighting a battle for 29 years that didn't exist. He killed over 30 innocent people, wounded 100 other ones, blew up, blew up all sorts of stuff over that time period. Needless to say, the Filipino people were pretty mad at this guy. And um, he tried to make amends later. The Japanese government honored his service and paid him 29 years back pay. All in one lump sum. Because he thought he was doing the right thing. And he took some of that and gave it to those schools on that island trying to, to, to make some restitution. But the thing was, is this guy stayed in this aggressive posture for all of this time. Because he would not embrace the truth that the war was over. Folks, there, there, was, there was a time where there was, was enmity between us and God over our sin issue. Okay, That sin issue can still interrupt our, our daily fellowship with God. And it definitely has natural consequences. God didn't just tell us not to do that just because he just decided to make arbitrary rules. No, it's because he laid out the world. And just like you go and you buy some new piece of equipment, if the designer of the piece of equipment says, don't put your finger in there, he's not just being a jerk and made a trap in case somebody sticks their finger in there. It's, that's the way it works. You put your finger in there and it's going to get cut off. But you don't and all's cool. 
God's rules because he made this, he made the way this works. This is do this, don't do that. It leads to life. And if we don't have it in our minds, if we don't have it firmly in our minds that God is not mad at us, we will interact with God no matter what he tries, no matter what he tries to send our way, no matter who he tries to use, no matter what avenue, it's, oh, this is a ploy. Oh, this is a ploy. Oh, yeah, God loves me, but I'm going to come, I'm going to say, yeah, and then he's going to bring his hammer of judgment on me. Then he's going to strap me with all this stuff that just chokes the life out of me. Then he's going to do a, no, 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 no. Jesus came that we may have life and that we may have it to the full. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. That's why I love that Luke 2 reading in all those different languages. It's for all of us. Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, folks, on earth, on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So many people think, oh, yeah, yeah, God's, God's favor is going to be on us and all, but that's in heaven. No, 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 on earth, folks. He's for you here. You don't got to wait for it someday. He's for you right now. He's for you here. See, favor means this. It means delight. It means kindness. It means to purpose good towards. God has, has done that. He's purposed good towards you. See, this message is that God's favor is on us. We are his favorites. We have the Israelites who are from or Israel. In the Bible, you see the Amalekites who came from Amalek, the Moabites who came from Moab. You and I, yes, we are favorites. We are God's favor. We are people of his favor. We are his favorites. And we need to embrace that that is the tribe you and I belong to. I belong to the tribe of God's favorite. And he's purposed only good for me. You are the, in the same place. And God's had this plan all along. And I want us to look at these three scriptures in this order. Let's look at Isaiah. Okay? 49. This is, this is the God moving on the prophet Isaiah, talking about what he's planning to do. Okay? It says, this is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will, that's, at that point, pushing towards the future, I will answer you, and in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you be a covenant <clears throat> for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances and to say to the captives, come out. There's going to be a time when those who were just trapped in stuff can come out. Woo! That's the good news. And to those in darkness, be free. And they will be freed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. This isn't about being free at the temple. This is about an everyday work environment where you are just right in the path of life. Ah, this is so good. Now let's look at Luke chapter 4. Okay? This is where Jesus is talking about why he, he's here. Luke chapter 4. So we had the... We had the Thing, talking about what was going to happen. Now let's look at Luke chapter 4. It says, The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Is. That's a right now thing. At that moment. 
because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, exactly what Isaiah was talking about, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, those they get to come out, the captives get to come out, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah said a day of favor is coming. Jesus says, I am here to let you know it is right now. So there was the thing talking about it. This is the thing saying it right now. And now let's look at Paul, prophet to the Gentiles, which is more than likely all of us in this room, unless you are of Jewish heritage. Paul is talking directly to you and I. He says, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. But even if you are Jewish heritage, it applies to everybody. But I'm... 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in the time of my favor, he's quoting the exact same thing of Isaiah. What Isaiah? He is quoting Isaiah. But look at what Paul does to it. Paul takes some license inspired by the Holy Spirit and he changes it up. He goes from saying something's going to happen in the future that Paul says it's happened in the past. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. What made it going to be, and all of a sudden now, a had been? Jesus. Jesus is what made that verse shift to a someday that it's already done. It was Jesus. Folks, you and I are living in a day of God's favor. We're not here. I hope you didn't get out of church today trying to fix something you did this week and going, oh, if we, we need to show up and go to church so that uh, God, we can get some brownie points with God. You're not, God's not doing that. He's not trying to get you to do something to try to undo something. I hope you didn't come saying, man, you know, we got this week, this next week coming up and, you know, I just want to really get God to smile on us. Let's show up to church. I hope you showed up to church going, I want to know God better. He loves me and he's for me and I want to know him better. And even if you didn't, your attitude can change right now. It can change right now. Why? Because that's what we're here. That is why we're here. Because God is so incredibly for us. Now is the time. Now is the season of God's love and grace. Romans 5 says, you see, at just the right time, there was, a, there was this, it's going to happen. There was a, it had happened. It was just the right time. Romans 5, you see it at just the right time when we were still powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. It wasn't when humanity had finally gotten everything in a row. Well, I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to get my little prayer deal and I'm going to get everything aligned just right. No, no, no. Again, let, me, let, me, let me pray facing this way. Let me pray at this volume or this volume or in a closet or under the bed. No, no, no. We were away from God when God did this. Because <clears throat> very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, somebody might even dare to die. But God, he showed his love. He proved it. He threw it down undeniably in this. He demonstrated his love. For us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While we're doing nothing to earn his love, he poured it out in the greatest display ever. 
Psalm 69 says, But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those that hate me from the deep waters. Do not let the floodwaters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love and your great mercy turn to me. (laughs) He has. He has. In his mercy, he's turned to us. He, God loves us. He has demonstrated, he's written it, he, he spoke about it. He has done it. See, the favor that we receive is the favor that we can re-gift. The only thing we can really re-gift is, the, is what we've received. is the understanding we're living in, the understanding we've embraced. So, we should continually be growing in God's favor. We should be growing in God's favor all the time. Why? Because it is this thing, it is this 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 place we've been moved into it. It is our nation. We are favor rights. We live now in this this realm of God's favor and we can be growing in it, understanding where we can move and live and and truly have our being in him. See, 1 Peter 2 says, Like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. It's not so that you may one day attain salvation. He's given it to us. So you can grow up in it. You mature in it. There's more to it than what you start and what you fully, what you know at the beginning. There's more to it than that. So now that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Luke 2.52 and Jesus, Jesus did. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So we, according to Second Thessalonians, we ought always to thank God for each other. And rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love everyone has for you <clears throat> and each other is increasing. That's ultimately where growing in favor exists, is growing in the love of God. It's growing in the love of God. And this comes by simply operating and taking God at his word. It is a faith thing. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. Why? Why is it impossible to please God without faith? It says so right here. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That God has something good in store for you. That you're not spinning your wheels and wasting your time. That God has purposed good for us. In Psalm 90, may the favor of the Lord God rest on us and establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. What is God's favor doing through us? The same thing that God's favor did to connect us with him. God is wanting through us to connect other people to him. Remember, God devises ways to bring back those who are far from him. He's thinking it up all the time, and he's thinking up new and wonderful ways for God, for him to use you to re-gift this gift into other people's lives. And 2 Corinthians 5 just nails it. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's given it to you and I. 
And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Just say, I'll take it. Just say, wow, God, you're for me, and I, I'm, I'm going to receive it. I'm not going to try to earn it from you. I'm just going to say, thanks, it's fine, I'll take it. That is what you and I are to do. And we don't have to be on the street corner with a bullhorn. We just have to be available that as God is just one degree of separation away from somebody through you, that you're the one that knows him, that knows them, that you're willing to go, <clears throat> hey, hey, I just want to let you know what God's done in my life. And just be willing to share it. Be willing to pray. Be willing to be there. Because see, this Christmas season, folks, wherever you go, it's an in-the-road, in-the-world, as-we-go kind of thing. Wherever you go, make sure that the gift that we have received gets re-gifted. Celebration Church, we just refuse to be a dead end. We thank God for the blessings, but man, it is exciting to pass them on. We refuse to be a dead end for what He does in our lives. We will. We will pass it on. We will. Well, this morning, I just appreciate it if everybody would give those that are here <clears throat> and, and are, are disconnected from God, maybe had that thing in their mind of, of hoping I wouldn't preach some mean message because they think God's kind of mad at them. I hope that that's dispelled right now. And we want to give you an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to take this favor. I'm going to take this grace that you give. So if everybody could please kind of close your eyes. And, and we, want to, we want to create a moment here. We do this every week. Why? Because God wants to connect with people.